Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество, все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым. Позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец, Сын, Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Oh, 
Before we continue to submerge into the study of the treasure that is contained in our hope in Jesus Christ, the unchanging epigraph of the study of our hope in Jesus Christ is Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me, and for us as partakers of the body of Christ to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side so we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life and so we can put on the new way of life. <coughs> the book of Ephesians 4, 22-24 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness to fulfill this command we need to utilize as we know three charging and fundamental verbs these we have been studying to put off be renewed and put on and to confirm the given command elevated to the status of a commandment we will read another place of scripture where the same author in a bit of a different form writes a similar truth calling us to remove the sinful man and his deeds and be dressed into the new person who is able to renew in knowing the image of the one who created him <coughs> Colossians 3, 8 through 10, through 11. But now you yourself are to put off these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Before I continue to speak of as if as familiar things to us, I want to illustrate a little bit of a picture. Some people have some kind of irritation that comes from the flesh. We want something new. Why are we going through these things that we've heard already, they say. You know that when the Holy Spirit says, look at the lily of the field, how it grows, that doesn't mean to cut it off, make a bouquet and look at it, but that the lily be in its root to watch how the process of life flows through this flower. God will never give flowers as we do to the ones that we love, bringing a bouquet of flowers. Practically, we have cut off this flower from its life source and it no longer has life. We practically are giving death in the bouquet of flowers because there's no life there. But when we bring the root <clears throat> or in a bucket of flowers, 
then it will always give you new flowers as soon as a new flower or its current flower uh, wilts, falls off, and then a new flower will begin to bloom. Your, your, uh, you will be able to acknowledge how the plant blooms continuously. And so when the Holy Spirit gives, he always wants the thoughts that are he wants to understand and reveal that it be connected to the root and not separate from that root. And so I did not understand before uh, why we we would have to re uh, go re, or reread or re go through the things that we've already heard. But the Holy Spirit continued to persist this. He he wanted this to continue, <clears throat> and I felt like I had to continually connect it to the root before I continue to reveal any kind of truth. Without the root, is giving you a flower that's been cut that will wilt, and you will no longer have it but when it will continually <clears throat> give uh, new flowers uh, from the root if you have the root renewance is you'll continually reveal uh, receive a new flower but it will be connected to the root to the to the life but not cut from that life and so we've noted that your decision regarding these three impacting questions to be renewed, put off, uh, and put on will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. And more specifically, we will complete our salvation, and if we don't, our names will be blotted out of the Book of Life. In a specific format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the next question, what conditions are we to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. When we ask this question, how to dress ourselves or clothe ourselves, how we collaborate, uh, our, we collaborate with the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, because with that, without the collaboration of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we will we will not be able to be dressed into the new person because the new person consists of these two great witnesses: the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, he, uh, the new person is saturated with them. When speaking about clothing ourselves into our new person, we've concluded we need God's help. We need His mercy. We can't by ourselves uh, just because we want to be dressed into or garmented into our new person. We need the mercy of God because the mercy of God is that great and unique power of God, identifying the essence of God as well as the imperishable inheritance of peace prepared by him for man, who is born from the seed of the word of truth and performs his righteousness. The means of receiving any kind of help from God, which we see as the inheritance of the mercies of God, is weaponry of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth. We note that prayer is not just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God. Man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the earth. And we can possess this right that activates the given law of God only upon his 
established conditions, where we, by the means of our dedication to God, our inner state, our inner person is the same as the inner state or inner essence of God. One of the prayers of David written in the 143rd Psalm accurately revealed the conditions upon which a man is called to from a form, uh, provide a lawful foundation for God so that God's mercy may intervene into his life, our life specifically, as well as <clears throat> to be able to intervene into those boundaries, the aspects which, which we carry responsibility for. This has been the component of our continual study, Psalm 143, 1 through 12. I trust that <clears throat> this already should have become our everyday prayer before God. It would have definitely become Come, uh, made our relationship better, made it fresh, if we would actually pray this prayer and begin to pray it from our own personal selves, because it is presented here so that we can pray it. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications, in your faithfulness answer me. And in your righteousness, do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, I will remind us that this enemy is our old personal self that continually uh, uh, crushes our life, crushes our new person into the ground. We feel that and we feel like we have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. The enemies outside of us cannot uh, create this inside of us, only the inner old sinful man can do this. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works, I muse on the works of your hands, I spread out my hands to you, my soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies, in you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. Your mercy cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. <clears throat> so that David can hear the mercy of God early, it was necessary for David to present a basis, cause, or a right contained in his ordinances and God's statutes that would be able to serve as sufficient evidence before God so that God can intervene with his faithfulness and his righteousness into David's life because God intervenes in the works of man upon planet Earth solely upon his established laws and not just our made-up prayers or the prayer of others. And such evidence in this prayer, ha as we already know, were ten unique in their nature arguments founded upon the law of God. These are the word of God that came out of the mouth of God, that God had elevated above all his names and to which God willingly submits to. Specifically, these ruling and mighty words of God turned into promises and commandments for man. David presented to God as the consistency of his heart, saying to God, Hear me. 
In your faithfulness and your righteousness, hear me because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me for in you do I trust. Hear me because I lift up my soul to you. Hear me because in you I take shelter. Hear me for you are my God. <clears throat> you can take these ten sure uh, forms of evidence and pray them not just any psalm but these hear me because you are my God hear me for your name's sake hear me for your righteousness sake and hear me for I am your servant in the previous services we had already studied the nature of the first argument that abided in David's heart this was evidence that faithfulness and righteousness abided in David's heart this served as a legal foundation for God giving God the ability to hear David and to stand on the side of David in his oppositions against his enemies and stop to study the second argument this is evidence that in the heart of David there were memories of the days of old and all of the deeds that God had done in those days, proclaimed and presented by him in prayer. This form of evidence in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which is a unique and continual remembrance or a continual memorial before God, containing the component of continual prayer. The breastplate of judgment was created for one purpose and to serve one purpose. This was the Urim and the Thummim, in which in the heart of a man with the existence of these two allowed God to hear man and man to hear God. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelation of his Urim, it was necessary to keep within your mind the works of God, his thummim that God had done in the days of old. Answering the second question, what purpose has the breastplate of judgment as a component of continual remembrance within our relationship of a redeemed person and God himself? So what is, this, again, is its purpose in our relationship? We've concluded that the breastplate of judgment as an item of continual remembrance before God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer, provided or providing God a foundation to fulfill His will upon planet Earth. Prayer that is not in accordance to the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer, because only the format of continuous prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to come before God and enter the holy place as kings and priests to God to be intercessors pursuing the interests of His will. We are called to be garmented or dressed into the virtues of a king and a priest by leaving the position of spiritual childhood, dying therefore for our nation, for our house, and for our destructive desires, wrapped into religious forms. We will never be able to come to God to present His righteousness in accordance to those commandments, which identify the union of teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, that are contained in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, and the twelve names of the sons of Jacob written upon these stones. The names of the sons of Jacob carved upon the twelve precious stones as a signet contained great destinies allotted by God for his children in the rank of warriors in prayer. Here's how Apostle Paul presents the nature of the breastplate of judgment symbolizing continual prayer in his books. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, Colossians 4.2. He explains how continual prayer needs to be. You need to have the the component of earnesty, which is also boldness, continuity, 
or continuing earnestly in prayer, when a person is vigilant with thanksgiving, identifies a joyously burning lamp. To be vigilant is to burn in spirit, to be living, to stand uh, guard. (coughs) This identifies the condition of the righteous heart of a man. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Proverbs 13, 9. The built order of the breastplate of judgment, as we know, identifies the demands of spirit and truth, that the true worshipers of God whom God seeks need to be in accordance to and need to possess. Today he hasn't found, God has not found enough worshipers that would worship him and as soon as he finds them he will call them from the earth. John 4, 23, 24. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. With these words, Jesus said that my father is is still not in peace. He's not in peace yet. In the when we're talking about uh, current time or fi- uh, uh, real time, he has not yet found the number of children that he would like to have. breaking or interfering the order of building the breastplate of judgment identifying the state and nature of a worshiper of God the breastplate of judgment loses its nature and its purpose worshiping the father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in scripture as people have done in all times and many do today because of their stiff neck to the benefit of their greed and their hypocrisy For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of from God, we speak in the sight of God in in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.17 In the Septuagint, Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice. As by the means of the Urim and the Thummim, that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgments, his revelations. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment is identified as the conscience of a man, purified from dead works, upon the tablets of whom, just as assigned it, the teaching of Jesus Christ is imprinted that came in the flesh. Therefore, the conscience that is purified of dead works with the imprinted faithfulness and righteousness upon its tablets is called to identify the nature of true worshipers of God that upon the foundation of faithfulness and righteousness would be able to worship God in spirit and in truth and in this way give God the right to function in them and through them upon planet earth. In a specific format, we have already studied the measurements and the nature of materials from which the breastplate of judgment is supposed to be built, that we need to be in accordance to within our spirit, and stop to study the next requirement which states, and you shall put settings of stones within it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be sardius, topaz, and emerald. Second row shall be turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. Third row, jacinth, agate, and amethyst. And fourth row, beryl, onyx, and jasper. They shall be set in gold settings, and the stone shall have the names of the sons of Israel. Twelve according to their names, like the engraving of a sign, each one with its own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. Exodus 28. 17 through 21, we note that the 12 golden settings of the breastplate of judgment is the living, undamaged, and presented in its original form truth, identified as eternal life contained in the Word of God that once came out of the mouth of God that was received by us and imprinted upon our heart. As the measuring golden reed was called to measure the foundation of our faith, or our faith teaching, we can say the 12 golden settings are called to measure our worship. 
The measuring cord is called to measure the level of our dedication to God, and the scales and the weights are called to weigh our words with God and men. But I say to you that for every idle word man may speak, they shall give account of it in the day of judgment, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Matthew 12, 36, 37. The twelve golden settings is the authority, rules, and order of God contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that we as worshipers of God are called to, be pre to present in our continual prayer. <clears throat> the twelve precious stones with the engraved upon them as a sign it names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of our continual prayer presenting the perfect judgments of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the word of God that were adjusted in measurement and configuration to fit the precious stones, but the precious stones themselves were the ones that were being, which are our prayers, were the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings of truth. If they will not be adjusted uh, in configuration to fit the settings, they will lose uh, their preciousness and will become regular minerals, not having any significance. Continual prayer in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve names is a persisting prayer that in its intercession presents the interests of the will of God and does not sway away or step away from the goal until what is asked for is received. Whatever may happen, what darkness may come, it seems all the doors have been shut, that the promise will not be able to be received ever again. The component of continual prayer, this state of a person of continuing in prayer, he will not step away, he will not back away, he will continue, and he will stay until he this promise is fulfilled because God has already fulfilled it in Jesus Christ. The building of the breastplate of judgment reveals itself not just in the measurements and nature of materials, but also the methods and the means that are called to identify the nature of continual prayer, necessary for reaching the goals that God has placed for us, to build the kingdom of heaven within our heart which is also identified as the tree of life. Growing the tree of life within our heart is building yourself up in a new, into a new person, created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth, into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. With this we will remember that all of the beauty and order of the temple was built for one holy item and for the service of one holy item, this was the golden ark of the covenant. The same thing with the ephod of the high priest, with the connected to it breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item. The item very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark, this was the Urim and the Thummim, because the golden ark of the covenant as well as the breastplate of judgment symbolized from different angles and with various purposes the conscience of a man cleansed from dead works. The Urim and the Thummim in Hebrew, Urim and Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection, light and the right, or revelation and truth. For example, the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant is the truth. This Ten Commandments is Jesus Christ, it's the truth. And this truth upon the breastplate of judgment is the Thummim. The revelation that a person could receive at the lid of the Ark of the Covenant is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment. Only a person who has a conscience cleansed from dead works or a wise heart upon the tablets of whom the truth in the form of the Thummim is imprinted can be a worshiper of God. The revelation of God by the means of his Urim <coughs> 
<clears throat> in the virtue of the Urim, or in the, by the means of the Urim, can function only within the boundaries of truth. This truth within the heart of a person is the Thummim, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. As it is written, I have put wisdom in the heart of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31.6 God will never place his wisdom into a foolish heart. God will never allow the Holy Spirit, or give the Holy Spirit, or the revelation of the Holy Spirit into a foolish heart, where it's not imprinted as upon the precious stones in these settings the teaching of, Je of, of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. Practically, it's talking about the quality and friendship of two formats of wisdom that are contained in the Thummim and the Urim, and about the fact that carriers of the Urim and the Thummim are true worshippers of God and possess the most glorious, amazing thing is that they possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 33, 8 through 11, and of Levi he said, let your Thummim and your Urim. Levi is dest the destiny that is for those who bind themselves to God. Levi, he is. <clears throat> let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who say of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children. He dies for his nation, his house, and his own life. For they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the works of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they raise not again. We note that people that say of themselves that they belong to the chosen by God nation, but rise against the carriers of the Urim and the Thummim and hate them because they themselves do not have this Urim and this Thummim, their future is the lake of fire burning with fire and brimstone. In a specific format, we have already looked at five qualities of a warrior in prayer in the first five precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God was able to continuously reveal His will upon planet Earth and stop to study the sixth quality, and this is the precious diamond stone. We know now that the sixth name carved upon the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment upon the tablets of our heart is the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, which means wrestler. And Rachel's maid Bela conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali, Genesis 37, 8. <clears throat> We note that the diamond is a brilliant stone, it is a pure carbon, which is why it has great hardness. The word brilliant doesn't apply to any other stone except for the brilliant shine and polish of a diamond. Others, uh, other stones, they also can uh, have carbon as well, or the presence of it. The name of God presented in the precious diamond stone, according to the Jewish rabbinate, is El Hai. In Hebrew, when translated, means God is alive. Therefore, based on the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we can conclude that the function of the sixth principle as a format of continual prayer is our right and our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. When <clears throat> you 
are confronting the powers of that are, are uh, pressuring you, are pressing upon you, the powers of hell, your sinful self, you need to apply sp speaking in tongues. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit will pray. This will be your spirit praying. But the Holy Spirit in this moment <clears throat> will be able to place revelations into your spirit because of what you're saying. Because he's going to be praying secretly before God so the devil doesn't know about what this person is praying and what the Holy Spirit will be doing in this time. And so the Satan will not be able to plan some kind of strategy against the one who is praying. The strategy can be formed when you know the enemy, how he will attack, and how much power he has. But when you pray in tongues, your strategy is unknown, and he doesn't know what you're praying about. Because you've allowed, in this time, your spirit to pray in tongues. You received the ability from the Holy Spirit, baptized, being baptized by the Holy Spirit to pray in tongues, or when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the gift. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath, the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. Jeremiah 10.10 We note that the name of the living God is a format of an oath and the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God or swore falsely were completely destroyed. <clears throat> And it shall be, if they will learn carefully, Jeremiah 12, 16, 17, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Therefore, to not be eradicated and destroyed by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God to swear by the name of God El Hai or by the living God. And these ways are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God. The condition that gives us the right to learn the paths and ways of God's commandments and statutes to swear by the name of the living God is the thirst to know them. <clears throat> I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. If your the heart of David will not be enlarged, he will not be able to walk the course of the commandments of God. What does it mean, you shall enlarge my heart? It's talking about in the original, when you will make me fruitful. When, to enlarge the heart is when I will bear fruit. If a person is not able to bear fruit to God, he does not have fruit, he will not be able to flow the course of God's commandments. Only by bearing fruit can we run the course of God's commandments. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Psalm 119.32-35 In Hebrew, the name of the living God, El Hai, means abiding, one who is, with unconditional authority, defining a genesis, one who creates a genesis, one who holds a genesis, one who keeps a genesis, rules over the genesis, and commander and lord of the genesis. Deuteronomy 10, 20-21 You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast, and take oath in his name. He is your praise and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. 
The result of swearing by the name of the living God was always the fulfillment of the promise of God for the sake of which the oath was made. The power of a warrior in prayer contained within the virtue of the name of the living God is called to present the unlimited power of God over the Genesis and the allotted by him for us time and boundaries. Therefore, it is necessary for us to determine what goal God has in his intentions when he urges and calls his children to become warriors in prayer. <clears throat> also, in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God. In accordance to Scripture, <clears throat> to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all times. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling, to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in the prayer battles. This is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. <clears throat> Not being a king and a priest to God, in the virtue of which a person receives the unique ability and right to reign with his informational organ over his emotional organ, it is impossible to be, a, to be and remain a warrior in prayer. We note that the informational organ having the ability to reign over the emotional aspect of our soul, the informational organ is the mind of a man renewed with the spirit of his mind, which is the mind of Christ in the heart of a person. The prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an unearthly genesis, therefore is inaccessible to the comprehension of the human mind or with human abilities. We more than once note that by its nature the genesis of prayer as well as the genesis of God does not have a beginning and does not have an end. Prayer is the language of God, identifying the essence of God and identifying the word of God, determining the genesis of God. Prayer has always been the mystery of God and as ha it has always existed in the presence of God as a sept golden scepter of favor that he stretched forth to the one who would seek his face in performing his will. If, however, anyone dared come to him upon his own conditions not being called into his presence, then God's golden scepter of favor will not be stretched out to the one asking. This will result in the prayer of this person being unheard by God. <clears throat> in the ancient times, as King Artisares is a very good example, if a person would enter in with, without an in invitation, the king did not invite him into his presence. He made it that a person can enter, but if he did, he was committed to death. Only that person that was called by the king was able to enter. But if he entered, not being called, the verdict is death. Same thing here, God says, who can come to me? <clears throat> because God does not listen to the prayer of a sinner when... Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. In accordance to this place of scripture, God becomes the initiator of any prayer. If a warrior in prayer, in the virtue of his worshiper, begins to pray with the language of God, identifying the precious essence of God in his unchanging will. Because the right to come close to and stand before God in prayer is the exclu exclusive prerogative of God. No one will be able to or will dare by himself to come close or approach God, and the God that desires to abide in darkness or in mystery or in the unapproachable light.
<clears throat> Jeremiah 30, 21 through 22. Their nobles shall be from among them, and their governor shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledges his heart to approach me, says the Lord? You shall be my people, and I will be your God. <clears throat> God will be our God, and we will be his nation when... <clears throat> when this governor that will come from the line of Abraham will, will come. And we be a part of that nation. First Timothy 1.18, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. To define and build a clear and orderly for a system that will teach us and help us get to know the language of God, <clears throat> in the signs contained in the nature of a continual prayer, identi identifying the state of a warrior in prayer that would be able to be founded on specific commandments of God, giving man the lawful right to swear by the name of the living God, according to the revelations written in Scripture, our prayer in the quality of a warrior in prayer, identified by the virtue of the brilliant stone, needs to be continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with revealing of or expressing of the faith of the heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues. But first, I will once again present the antonyms or opposite qualities of prayer that has already been a subject of our study because understanding the background of the antonyms of each quality, we more clearly will understand the quality and character of continual, of con that is contained in true prayer. Continual, the antonym of continual is unfaithful or not continuing. The antonym of persistent is resistant. The antonym of diligence is laziness. The antonym of boldness is audacity. The antonym of reverence is neglect or hatred. The antonym of the faith of God is unbelief or resistance to the faith of God. The antonym of thanksgiving is unthankful or of a hard heart. Further, we note that each of the ten listed qualities are present in each other, come one from the other, strengthen one the other, complete one the other, and identify the truthfulness of one the other. In other words, each of the ten listed qualities are present in balance in the remaining nine qualities. Therefore, the truthfulness of each of the qualities is determined by the presence of the other qualities that together united make up a wonderful balance in perfect in knowledge. Nevertheless, each of the ten qualities has its own specific face, its unrepeated and inherent only to it taste, color, smell, and character of behavior and thus, as a result, has its own exclusive and specific application and its own specific purpose. In a specific format, we have already looked at the signs of the first six qualities included in the nature of prayer as well as the state of a warrior in prayer, identifying the atmosphere of his heart, and stop to study the seventh sign, which is thanksgiving and prayer. We note that thanksgiving and prayer is an expression or the openness of a thankful heart before God. As in the previous situations, it was necessary for us to study what virtues do the scriptures reveal regarding the quality and character of thanksgiving. What value or weight does it possess? What is its purpose? And how do we apply it in prayer? To better understand the significance of the element of thanksgiving in prayer, we've decided to look at four classical questions to determine the nature of thanksgiving as well as the price or condition that we are to fulfill to be able to be dressed into its virtue and reveal its presence in our prayers. 
First, this is defining the essence and purpose of thanksgiving and prayer. Second, the price for dressing into thanksgiving. Third, keeping and developing thanksgiving. And fourth, the fruit and rewards of thanksgiving. We know that in Scripture the consistency or character of the word thanksgiving, as with the previous qualities, is prescribed in prayer as a commandment, as a requirement, and an urgent military command, a command that is, is to be fulfilled without deviations. Not fulfilling this requirement breaks our relationship in the covenant with God and members us to the sons of perdition. According to the written regulations in Scripture, identifying the essence and purpose of the word thanksgiving, as with the other elements, is directly linked to the quality of our faith or the thoroughness of our obedience to the will of God. And before we continue to look at the qualities and nature of a thankful heart to stir up excite zeal in us. I will again bring forth some familiar to us expressions about thanksgiving of some famous philosophers, politicians, and other men of study in the format of aphorisms, because their outlooks and their understanding of thanksgiving, as sad as this may be, is greater than the outlook of those that should be an example or representative of the essence of this thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is an exquisite form of politeness. Thanksgiving is acceptance and a sign of the nobility of the soul. Thanksgiving is that little that is unable to be purchased for money. The unthankful are most often the ones that rely on thanksgiving. The one that is thankful does not convince change because of an evil offense. For a great soul, thanksgiving is not so much as an obligation as it is a satisfaction. It's a debt that she gladly and continuously pays, not attempting to get even for it. And so the first part, or first question, what virtue and criteria do the scriptures give the quality of thanksgiving, as well as what purpose is our thanksgiving and prayer in the format of praise to God called to fulfill? We have already looked at the first part of the first question and stopped to study the second part of the first question. <clears throat> the first purpose of thanksgiving and praise is called to reveal the life of God in our heart and flow as a brook of life from the inside of our heart. Second, it is called to flow from our heart as a stream towards the direction of God's heart. Third, it is called to flow by the effect of life giving power of the statutes of God. Fourth, it, it is to utter in parables the hidden since the creation of the world. Fifth, it is called to proclaim the manifestation of liberty from debt and servitude of all kinds of dependence. It is called to consist in receiving and consists in receiving strength, called to establish what God has done for us. Seventh, thanksgiving and praise is directed to fulfilling the statutes of God that are contained in the laws of God. Eighth, it's the opportunity to walk around the inheritance of hope gifted to us by God in redemption. Ninth, <clears throat> it pursues a unique ability to call upon God upon the foundations of statutes founded upon the law of grace and coming from the law of grace. And the tenth, thanksgiving and praise, is called to release, unleash the life of God within our heart covered in the statutes of God. This is the last aspect of the first question. Job 38, 25-27 Who has divided a channel for the overflowing water or a path for the thunderbolt? to cause it to rain on a land where there is no one, a wilderness in which there is no man, to satisfy the desolate waste and cause to spring forth the growth of tender grass.
Job 38, 25-27. <clears throat> we know that not a single act of God, whether it be blessing or cursing, happens on earth if a man dressed into the virtue of his king and priest will not activate this will by the means of thanksgiving from his mouth in accordance to God's statutes proclaiming, proclaiming the not existent as existent. Considering this implemented by God's law, the channels for the flow of the waters of life and the path for the thunderbolt are the kings and priests of God. <clears throat> or more accurately, the state of their good and thankful heart, from which by the means of thanksgiving expressed in praise, the waters of life flow and the rumbling lightning bolt flashes. If you will not have this channel and this path in your heart that identify the condition of a thankful heart, then God will not have the ability to overflow His waters of life on earth by the means of your mouth and to sound as a lightning bolt so that the rains would fall upon the earth where there is no, no one, a wilderness where there is no, no man upon which God wills to release channels of living water is a symbol of a thankful heart of the one that seeks God. It became this way because of the total dedication of this person to God that was preceded by a total sanctification. Because of this fact, the heart of this person has become a peopleless wilderness, or one that is sanctified for God. Only a peopleless wilderness can become Eden in our heart, the place of our worship in spirit and in truth, the spring of wisdom, containing the virtues of the Thummim and the Urim, the place where the mind of Christ abides, and the place covered from the eyes of all the living. Job 20, 20-23 A question, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? Is it hidden from the eyes of all the living and concealed from the birds of the air? Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understands its way and He knows its place. <clears throat> Look at how interestingly the Holy Spirit uh, reveals uh, the heart of a thankful person. The heart of a thankful person is the spring from which wisdom will come, the wisdom of God. <clears throat> By the, the heart of a person will God reveal his wisdom. And it says that it is covered from all eyes so that they may not see and birds in the air. The birds of the air means that it's covered from angels of God as well. The angels of God do not know the wisdom of God. It is covered. It is covered in the heart of a person. That is why they with, uh, very actively watch the church. And when she begins to pray or glorify God, she begins to reveal the wisdom of God, and that's when they get to know it. If you can imagine, it's talking about your heart, if it is good and thankful. The springing forth tender grass activated by the rain to grow is a symbol of our remembrance and our meditation about the truth, the word that we know. At the same time, the rain that activates this remembrance is the truth of the preached word from the delegated by God and the power of the Holy Spirit that activates our clear form of thinking or understanding. These spring, these uh, tender grasses uh, is the sober or clear thinking that He uh, 
activates within us. Clear form of thinking or understanding is vital to stand guard of your sanctuary and be vigilant in prayer, specifically by the means of reminder of known to us truths. God allures us to speak to us in the garden that is planted within the Eden of our heart, which is the wilderness of our heart, to speak to our heart and give us from there our vineyards and valley of Accor. Hosea 2.14-15 Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give to her vineyards from there and the valley of Accor as a door of hope. She shall sing there and in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. Reading this allegory, and this is an allegory, we can conclude that if we will be vigilant in prayer by the means of our thanksgiving, releasing therefore the promises of life covered in God's statutes, God has promised to give us vineyards and the valley of Accor at the threshold of our hope. In this way, our vineyards and the valley of Accor promised to us by God will become the threshold of our hope, which is the appearance of the Lord in the air for those waiting to for him in salvation before we will be raptured God will give to us our vineyards and the valley of a core looking at the stunning and amazing song contained in the fifth chapter of prophet Isaiah about the vineyard of the beloved we see that the beloved's vineyard was the house of Israel or warriors in prayer because Israel is a worshiper of God a warrior in prayer from this we can conclude that our vineyard we are God's vineyard but our vineyards that will be given to us right before rapture will be the promises that will dress us or envelop us into new people or into the resurrection of Christ. These will be our vineyards that God will give us. These are those promises that the children of God have buried. They need to resurrect. God says, I will give it to you before rapture happens. I will clothe you into the resurrection of Christ. And so what is the Valley of Accor? It is located on the northeastern side of Judea, further south than Jericho, barren and used using sinister glory because this is where Achan, or Achan, the Judean, was stoned, who took of the cursed things of Jericho, the silver he liked, garments and wedge of gold, and in doing so brought forth misfortune upon all Israel. Joshua 7, 24-26 Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garments, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Accor. Not just him, all of his possessions and all his household, his children and everything. Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Not just him, but all. You and your house will be saved. You will perish. Your house will perish. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones still there, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of this place has been called the Valley of Accor to this day. 
And so this beautiful Senin garments, these uh, garments that he took, these Senin garments, 200 shekels of silver and the wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. Let's look at what this is. What was he tempted with? And what does this mean? These are items symbolizing the destroyed by God Jericho. He took it from the destroyed Jericho, representing the righteousness that is founded upon the works of the law that gives power to sin. The Valley of Accor, located south of the destroyed Jericho, symbolizes the mind that is not renewed by the spirit of the mind of Christ. When it's talking about the southern side, on the southern side is where the lamps uh, stands in the tabernacle. It's talking about our mind, our renewed mind, or our renewed or not renewed mind. In this situation, it was not renewed. If the mind was uh, renewed, he would not have taken these. Why would he need these deeds of the law? Why would he need this evangelism or this good work if it's not from inspired by God to then be destroyed so that I then be uh, stoned for my evangelism that I had attempted to do and earn salvation doing so or receive the right to the tree of life. <clears throat> and so again, I repeat, the Valley of Accor, located south of the destroyed Jericho, symbolizes the mind that is not renewed by the spirit of the mind of Christ. But after this mind, symbolically, Achan made an attempt to implement the element of righteousness founded upon the law of deeds into righteousness by faith. God by Joshua, standing head over Israel, in the Valley of Accor, destroyed and erased from the face of the earth by fire, the carrier of this form of thinking. In this way, the Valley of core as the threshold of our hope by the means of activating our clear thinking needs to become for us a blessing in the virtue of our renewed mind because the foreign way of thoughts is destroyed and given to the fire of judgment. Apostle Peter understanding the significance that can become a reality for us only by our sure call and election that can remain sure upon the condition that we will be vigilant in prayer and will be prepared for, a for activating our clear form of thinking by reminding us of who God is for us in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Also what we need to do to be able to inherit all that God has done for us. 2 Peter 1.10-13 Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. If you pay attention, that's how the free entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are establishing in the present truth. Yes, I think it, it is right as long as I am in the tent to stir you up by reminding you. Second Peter 1. 10 through 13. Returning to the words written in the book of Job, we are able to see how God, as a response to the thanksgiving of a man presented in channels of his water and path for thundering, thundering lightning bolt, in response, God shows his thanksgiving that flows water of his life and thundering lightning bolt, revealing his righteousness, and, and in the heart of a man stands guard of his holiness. Isaiah 5.16 But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness.
exalted in judgment only by when a heart is thankful. This thankful heart will love this holiness and will be exalted in judgment. Coming to worship, we by the means of thanksgiving for the abiding in our heart promises of God, promises that are activated by the preached word of the delegated of God, Give God a basis or foundation to be exalted in judgment over all lawlessness and reveal His holiness in the fruits of our, right, of our righteousness. Second Peter 3, 1-2 Beloved, I now write to you in the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by, by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Again, the second time Peter says, says that I again remind you of what you already know and in this way when your, I prompt your pure minds. When I speak of things you don't know yet, this is not a reminder. <clears throat> but when it's a reminder is when you already know it and it's being reminded to you. Second question, what conditions are needing to be fulfilled so that our thanksgiving would satisfy the will of God? First, right to be dressed or garmented into the fruit of thanksgiving consists in a specific form of prayer that has the presence of vigilance. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2 Looking at the given command so that our thanksgiving in prayer satisfy the demands of Scripture, it is necessary that our prayer, beside being in the status of continuation, also possess the element of vigilance. And if continual prayer in the item of the breastplate of judgment is a persisting prayer, then being vigilant in prayer means to be awake, to be reasonable or wise, to be restrained, to be sober, to be attentive, to stand guard, to be watchful, and to interpret. This is how this vigilance is revealed in the book of Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. We... Uh, uh, have it in our Bibles, this word who reads it as in the small letter, but in the original uh, reads is capitalized. And so those who translated from the originals were still simple people and didn't take significance to this, but in the original it is capitalized. Uh, who reads it? For, for the one who is reading would be able to simply read it for the vision is yet for an appointed time but at the end it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry behold the proud his soul is not upright in him but the just shall live by his faith and so this vision that God reveals at the threshold of our hope who he is for us what he has done for us what we need to expect we need to wait for we need to wait for what he has done. This waiting so that God would be able to easily read it. The reader is the one that penetrates the heart and sees its consistency. 
It's one of, uh, practically, when I was looking, the Holy Spirit pointed that it's one of the marvelous names of God. The reader is one of the mar- marvelous names of God about whom it is written, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him. The more complete meaning of the name of God, reader, is in Hebrew, reader, when it comes to God, means one who understands, filled with wisdom running through, leading or penetrating, seeing what's sacred or in secret, bringing to light what is secret, calling into his presence, proclaiming his victory and redemption, giving a new name, and judging or rewarding for faith and hope. And so when when he begins to read what is in us, he will give us a new name in this time. When Jesus saw the heart of a person, he called, he, he would give them a new name. Obviously, between the name of God, reader, and a person anointed to read and bring to light the secret wisdom of God, there is a big difference. This difference consists in the fact that God as a reader is our Father, and we as readers or ones that penetrate the entrails of God by His mercy are His children. For who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. that he may instruct him so we understand who can uh, judge the mind of Christ Apostle John beginning to write revelations received by him on Patmos spoke of himself as one who is a reader and of those whom he addressed these letters of revelation to he wrote of them as those who hear blessed is he who reads and those who hear as many one who reads as one those who hear are many the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near revelation 1 3 now returning to the name of god in the virtue of a reader to fulfill the faith of our heart consisting in a vision given by god i would like to expand our understanding of the quality of the heavenly father to read the consistency of our heart with the intention to fulfill god as reader is filled with the spirit of wisdom that he revealed in christ and after by the means of the holy spirit presenting the wisdom of christ revealed it in our heart I would like to bring forth a wonderful wonderful words of the book of from from Solomon uh, this very clearly the author describes the name of, of God reader the quality of the reader as God being the reader excerpts from the book of the wisdom of Solomon for wisdom the fashioner of all things taught me For in her there is a spirit that is intelligent, holy, unique, manifold, subtle, mobile, clear, unpolluted, distinct, invulnerable, loving, the good, keen, irresistible, beneficial, humane, steadfast, sure, free from anxiety, all-powerful, overseeing all, and penetrating through all spirits that are intelligent and pure and most subtle. For she is a breath of the power of God, a pure emanation of the glory of the Almighty, therefore nothing defiling gains entrance into her. For she is a reflection of eternal light, a spotless mirror of the working of God, an image of His goodness, though she is but one and can do all things. And while remaining in herself, she renews all things 
sins. In every generation, she passes into holy souls and makes them friends of God and prophets. For God loves nothing so, so much as the man who lives with wisdom. For she is more beautiful than the sun and excels every constellation of the stars. Compares with the light, she is found to be superior. For it, if it, it is succeeded by the night, but against wisdom evil does not prevail. She reaches mightily from one end of the earth to the other, and she orders all things well. She glorifies her noble birth by living with God and the Lord of all loves her, for she is an initiator in the knowledge of God and an, an associate of his works. For if an unfailing treasure for men, those who get to obtain friendship with God, commended for the gifts that come from instruction. And so, then, by, in God's nature, as what a reader is, with the revelation of the Urim, presenting the virtue of the name of God, reader, vigilant in, vigilance in prayer, is identified as the action of the listener to the reader. Therefore, we need to well master and grasp one indisputable concept, identifying vigilance in prayer, and, it's, and it consists of when God, in response to our thanksgiving, will respond with his thanksgiving, then this response will be given or placed into our heart. Therefore, the response of God in the format of his thanksgiving will always consist of what is contained in our heart, Urim. Upon practice, this happens like this. God, in response to our thanksgiving, puts into our heart his thanksgiving by the means of a specific promise that is contained in Scripture that we ha we asked for from him in prayer per his will. And if we begin to lay out requests of our heart that are smeared and are not confirmed or su supported by specific truth written in Scripture or is not in accordance to the will of God then <clears throat> that is outlined in Scripture, then these requests will remain without a response or will be ignored. Further, if we paid attention, God, in response to our requests that we present in Him, that we present to Him in thanksgiving, puts into our heart His thanksgiving in the format of His response. And this response of God placed by the Holy Spirit into our heart in the format of His Thanksgiving first is necessary to interpret in a way that it would be completely in accordance to the demands of the will of God that are outlined in Scripture, and secondly, the thanksgiving of God in the format of His response that is contained within our heart is necessary to know how to wait even if looking at the signs of our interpretation the response is taking longer. In this way, the concept in which we wait for God's response in the format of His thanksgiving and after interpret His thanksgiving by the means of the Urim and wait with patience is precisely called the concept of vigilance, vigilance in prayer. Looking at this logical concept, we conclude that patience in prayer is the result of wisdom identified as vigilance in prayer, where we stand guard so that the awaited by us revelation remain clear so that God as the reader, when the time comes to fulfill this promise, would easily be able to read it. For you have need of endurance, Hebrews 10, 36-39. And so the promises that we have, we need to have them and learn to wait to receive what is promised. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while, and he is coming will, uh, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe in the saving of the soul. One who uh, stumbles is one that does not have enough faith, does not have enough hearing of the word. 
Therefore, when the scriptures speak about the fact that God is our endurance and comfort, then actually we can see that God as the reader is vigilant over his word that he has placed into our heart in the format of his thanksgiving so that it be fulfilled quickly. God also waits for it to be fulfilled, so the reader also has this quality of perseverance, patience. May you be of one mind. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may be with one mind and one mouth glorify the Father, God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 5-6. Summing up the first price, we see that in our continual prayer there will not be thanksgiving if in our continual prayer there will not be the element of thanksgiving this thanksgiving will be a result of our this thanksgiving being a result of our vigilance vigilance of, of the placed into our heart hope and trust in God when then our prayer will not satisfy the requirement of the breastplate of judgment so we need to be like-minded uh, towards one another and if we will not be then uh, God God will not be able to easily read what's upon our heart. It will be smeared. Again, summing up the first price, we see that in our continual prayer, there will not be thanksgiving. This thanksgiving will be a result of our vigilance, vigilance of the placed into our heart hope and trust in God. Then our prayer will not satisfy the requirement of the breastplate of judgment. Second, the price for the right to be dressed or garmented into thanksgiving consists in not being anxious for anything when we open up our will before God upon the condition that this will is the will of God, giving us the power of boldness. Being anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Philippians 4.6 1 John 5.14 Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. In the given place of Scripture, the condition giving us the right to be dressed into the fruits of thanksgiving consists of two parts. The first part is not being anxious for anything, since the fulfillment of whatever we ask is God's prerogative, and everything we ask all has already been responded to in Jesus Christ. We don't need to be anxious for that. The second part is the necessity to present your request with boldness. That gives us the lawful right to run to God as our stronghold and our refuge. Third price for the right to be dressed or garmented into thanksgiving consists in the condition to be dressed into the virtue of a servant of the Lord. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. Revelation 19.5 the status of a servant of the Lord is the greatest virtue in the kingdom of heaven, by which all the rest of the virtues are formed. We know that to praise God is to thank God for His great works that He has done by Christ Jesus in the works of our redemption and deliverance from sin and death and the true evil generation. He leads us into kingdom of His beloved Son. Psalm 112.1, Hallelujah, praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, Psalm 13.1.
In this place of scripture where it states, praise the name of the Lord, that the servants of the Lord are to praise, means that name of God under which the rest of his names and titles are lined up. And this name is the name Yahweh, identifying the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God. The name Yahweh, as the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God, identifies the nature of the name of the living God, that identifies the Genesis, creates a Genesis, and governs a Genesis. Considering the virtue of God, identifying his word in the name of Yahweh is exalted above all the names of God. It includes in itself the characteristics and all of the other names and titles of God. Notice that the name Yahweh also means Lamb and Redeemer. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes upon himself the sin of the world. In Hebrew, it sounded like this, Behold Yahweh that takes upon himself the sin of the world. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes upon himself the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After we, me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he, has bef- he was before me. I did not know him, that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came to baptize with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water sent to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. John 1, 29 through 34. We more than once note that the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God was exalted by God above all his names. From this we can conclude that God places himself in dependence of his own word and becomes a servant of his own word, which is why the word of God in status and authority is equal to the status and authority of God. Therefore, if a person does not place the preached word of the delegated person from God, these people being the lips of God place this word first in his life, he is not able to possess the virtue of a servant of the Lord. Further, he will not possess the lawful right to thank God in the format of praise, because thanksgiving is first the state or condition of the heart in which the word of God received into the heart of a man is the concluding or final authority. The act of thanksgiving that comes from a thankful heart is obedience to the preached word, of the delegated men of God. Therefore, if the thanksgiving of a man is Therefore, if the thanksgiving of God does not pour out or does not yield a result of acts of, of thanksgiving, then this thanksgiving in the format of praise does not is not legitimate and is why it prompts the wrath of God. I think for today we have heard enough information that God would like to uh, prompt our pure thinking, that he as the reader would clearly be able to see what's upon our heart, to be able to present the will of God, the promises of God need to be in accordance to the will of God. God, what we wait for and what we ask for at the threshold of our hope. This is the desire to be dressed into his resurrection, so that this be the continual goal, so that this be continually clear and not fogged or smeared or misunderstood. And so God then will respond to this uh, request. Before we we are raptured and are changed in the blink of an eye, we will be dressed into the resurrection of Christ and will be delivered from... all kinds of sickness and aging, and when we will, uh, uh, when we will be passing by, we will not even be able to need to wash our hands because those uh, germs upon our hands will be dying.
And so Jesus was not, afra- was not afraid not to wash his hands. Remember, uh, the, the uh, Pharisees said, your disciples are not washing their hands before they eat. And he said, remember, that is not what defiles a man, is not what comes uh, inside, but comes out of the mouth. And so that's what he... My wife always asks me, did you wash your hands before I want to eat something, uh, thinking I might get sick? I was thinking myself, I smile and I understand that if I need to get sick, I still will get sick, but if I don't need to get... If if I'm going to stand up upon the word of God and be dressed into his life, then I will not, I should not fear uh, these things. You need to understand and keep this revelation in your heart. Keep that pure thinking. And in the in time when you, you need to have this patience continually, the devil will come to you and say, how much longer are you going to wait? Look, you're getting older. You look at your sicknesses. They're progressing. They're getting worse. But you thank God and say, the Lord is living. And you call the not existent as existent. Amen. Let us bend our knees and we will pray. If you are not able to bend your knees, you could sit and may the Lord bless us. Heavenly. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your great and living word, where life works, the life of resurrection is working, that kills all kinds of viruses, because death cannot enter into your life. It is so protected, your word, and unable to be penetrated with viruses or other death. We receive your words, your words of life, into our hearts. It abides in us and grows within us, and now it has grown into a tree of life. And we continue to keep within our heart your promise pure and clear so that we could be dressed into your resurrection and before this we left our nation we left our house and we died for our personal ambitions our old self if someone has not yet done this and is in the process then may mercy be given to you because to be freed from the last and final enemy your old sinful man is not going to be easy and without God's help none of your without your help no one will be able to do this this sinful nature will just destroy and crush him if you will not show your mercy and will not destroy this enemy may your mercy be blessed for your children that understand this danger and with fear watch uh, those flaming lusts and desires that sometimes are impossible to restrain as a volcano but you can look and humble all that is proud you can by your power do this allow these holy people to call the not existent as existent not pay attention to what what's happening and proclaim their liberty in Jesus Christ from their old man and the day will come when they will be freed 
at the threshold of their hope and you will come and rapture us upon the, the, in the, upon the clouds. We thank you for this glorious waiting. I thank you that at the threshold of my hope I may have this vision in my heart that you have imprinted. I passed on this revelation to your people as well that by the power of your Holy Spirit you can imprint this vision in their heart so that they at the threshold of their hope, would be able to wait with patience until you dress them into the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, when you dress them into their new person, so that they would be able to proclaim the not-existent as existent, and that they look at the stars, at your promises, at the sand, at the multitude of your promises that you will fulfill them, that you can fulfill everything that you said because you are vigilant and watch your words and you want us also be vigilant over your word not to change it to benefit the flesh and not allow the flesh to justify some kind of sin. May your, the greatness of your mercy be upon your people. May the news be spread so that your nation be come out of Babylon so that she would not suffer the wrath that you're planning to pour out upon those churches where they mix the things of men with the things of God so that they may see a different church where the things of men are removed and are trampled upon so that the cross of your Son, Jesus Christ, be lifted up within our faith teaching, would be exalted because only by the cross of your Son, Jesus Christ, can we separate forever and die for our nation, for our house and our corrupt desires. We thank you for the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. You forgive our sins. Your blood is not called to destroy the producer of sin, the factory of sin that continues to produce sin in the old man. The cross of your son is to do this. And so may your cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, be exalted. May we collaborate our cross with your cross. And may your healing be blessed upon us, your hope and your joy in your sons and daughters, and our great God, Son and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, with gladness, we will proclaim our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. 
Amen.